Okay. <laughs> rubber baby bumpy bumpers. Rubber baby bumpy bumpers. Rubber baby rubber buggy baby buggy, buggy bumpers. Rubber baby bumpy. buggy bumpers. Rubber, buggy. Rubber, baby rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. The arsonist had oddly shaped feet. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Dippy toe, dippy toe. <laughs> Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey everyone, welcome back. And uh, it is Rutgers week at... Blue and White Brothers. What's so uh, funny, Andy? <laughs> what's funny is we're excited about Rutgers. Uh, oh, dude, Tom, tell me about it. This is the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, well, let me ask. Uh, has the sheen of the win against Michigan worn off? Or are you still basking in the warm glow of the first win of the season? Well, yes, I'm basking in it, but I wouldn't say it's a warm glow. It, <laughs> and, and I don't. I wouldn't say there's a sheen either. Um, unless we're talking Charlie Sheen, because, you know, we still have some mistakes to overcome here. Okay. We still have a lot of mistakes we got to correct because I really think this Rutgers team is, is, is worth looking at like a very serious, you know, foe here. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, I've noticed some of the notes you've compiled and, uh, it just seems like there's a lot of energy, a lot more energy around this Penn state football team than there has been the last few weeks. So that's, that's why. And speaking of, uh, past few weeks, how about past few games? How about tonight's game with Steelers, Steelers and Ravens on a Wednesday night? Yeah. Talk about COVID messing everything up. Like when's the last time there was an NFL game, not at all, not only on a Wednesday night, but actually Wednesday afternoon, three forty kickoff. Three forty kickoff on NBC with Chris Collinsworth and and whatever the other guy's name is. I don't even remember. It's Mike uh, Tirico, right? Mike, Tur- no, it used to be Mike. Was it Mike Tirico? It's Mike Tirico, I think. But oh, okay, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> well, you know, so your your Pittsburgh Steelers uh, yep. are still cruising. I think they're eleven and zero now. They are now uh, eleven and zero, and I'm worried against about them, to be honest a, with you. Against a COVID depleted Ravens team. Yep. Uh, you know, wow. <laughs> Ravens, the Ravens are starting to catch some of that. Uh, the the well, the game was supposed to be Thursday. It was supposed to be last Thursday. Yeah, right. Thanksgiving night, and then it became uh, you know Sunday, and then it became Monday, and then it became Tuesday, Just and then it became to Wednesday. Get the game in. They're catching. I tell you what, right now, Penn State. Uh, excuse me, the Ravens are catching some of that Penn State slipstream. They're going in the wrong direction and and sort of picking up where Penn State left off. But speaking of Penn State and the Ravens, uh, we wanted to start tonight just by congratulating Trace McSorley, former Penn Stater. He appeared in his first official NFL game, uh, regular season game, and he had his first completion uh, in a regular season game. In fact, first two completions, the second of which was a 70-yard touchdown pass uh, to, to Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. It was a thing of beauty. It he was threw a it, beaut. He threw it, as they say, on a dime. On a dime. He threw it on a dime. And then Mark Hollywood Brown made one jump move. And and, and, and he uh, was gone. Well, and, he, did, he made a jump move yes. to evade 
the, the first would-be tackler, and then he spun Mike Minka Fitzpatrick around to yeah. get in the end zone. It was pretty good. It was pretty sweet. I actually, being a Steelers fan, I'll be I'll be honest with you. When that was happening, uh, I mean, I was watching like the you know the Steelers had to go you know get some first downs um, to to seal the game because yeah because the Ravens come had back in for that the Ravens that had last three timeouts game winning drive right game winning drive for Trace McSorley. and I was thinking if you could just stop them here Ravens and and I'm again a Steelers fan and I'm rooting for the Ravens at this point to to for Trace McSorley to come back because what a does it get any better than that even if no. you never play and another game how many game, times did Trace do that for Penn State that's right? what I'm saying. You know, he's chucking like them deep. And, and by the way, Robert Griffin had 33 yards in the game up to that point when he got passing injured. Passing up to that a point. Passing. Yeah, yeah was, so it was bad. Trace McSorley, uh, he was a leading passer for the Ravens, even though he only appeared on, on one drive. So, um, so wait, 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 wait. Trace McSorley's the leading passer. And guess who the leading rusher was? The other quarterback, Robert Griffin the <laughs> third. Right. So do we have a, yeah. a, a future backfield for the? Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> Again, uh, the, the Ravens were very COVID depleted tonight. It was, it was um, not a good look for the Ravens. Not a good look for the NFL, quite frankly. So anyway, congratulations to Trace uh, on that great uh, first game. Uh, But this is not an NFL podcast, so um, we're going to get to our content tonight. Uh, This is the Rutgers Look Ahead episode. Um, We're going to start with some news and notes for you. Uh, Then we'll move into talking about some uh, Rutgers uh, Penn State history, um, Rutgers season overview. And then finally, we'll get to some of of what we think are going to be keys to the game. So uh, let's start with some of those news and notes. And um, Tom, there there are a couple of things uh, coming out um, this week about injuries. Uh, a couple of uh, good news items as well as uh, uh, another uh, player lost for the season. Not an impact player. Well, not yet, but true. Not, well, yeah, not yet. He, he hasn't been an impact. Anyways, the point is, the point Charlie is Charlie Catshire. It's either Catcher or Catcher. Catcher, I, I'm Catcher not, in the Rye. Catcher. Did you say Catcher? All right. Cat- so he's a reserve linebacker. He's been buried on the depth chart. Uh, it hasn't seemed like he's been waiting to break out at all. But but we don't I, we don't know the injury. James came out and said that he was done for the year. So I he, just I just feel like. Right now, our depth is such an issue. Like, totally. I, I know he hasn't uh, made the field, but like, look this this week. Um, we had three uh, cornerbacks. One of them was a kid you would normally not expect to see very often on the field. Daquan and Hardy, he, yeah, yeah, Daquan Hardy. He played a, a really crucial role in this game. Oh yeah, uh, big time. You know, so I, I don't want. The, well, obviously, speak, he hasn't played of, a lot now, but spe- yeah. But possibly losing him, who knows what impact yeah, that might yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. If, next if few we games. we lose a linebacker in yeah, any exactly. of these last two games, or anyway. Whatever. So injury bug bites Penn State again. But well, we do get. But, but speaking of cornerbacks, we do get. Speaking. Um, you know, uh, as far as we know, uh, Keaton Ellis and uh, Tariq Castro Fields uh, are are looking to be available for expected for, to be available. Expected yeah. to be available. We we don't know if that means that they're going to have their full starting roles, their full snap counts. You know going full bore in this game at all but um you know you against Rutgers who is a more pass oriented team compared to uh some other teams we're gonna need some some of that depth uh in this game I think uh you know especially since our our secondary hasn't played lights out uh in yeah, many games they, this year we don't oddly have oddly enough <laughs> with with a shorthanded secondary they played really well against michigan sure, yeah. obviously not a very strong passing attack right uh like you said um rutgers might be a different story we'll get to that a little bit later yep. uh but it'll be good to have uh some more support um 
uh, in the cornerback. And we also position. get somebody else back this week, Andy. Um, running back, speaking about depth, running back Devin Ford uh, returns to the lineup. It's also expected to be available. Um, yeah, and I, you know, based on what was coming out, it it sounded like, you know, he was injured the week before. It sounded like yeah. he would have been able. Uh, potentially able to play this week if you mean last uh, week. not for, I mean, this past Saturday, like yeah. if it hadn't been for a death in the family. Right, and exactly. It sounds also like there have been there were some COVID protocols, so maybe, you know, maybe he was even with the team, or you know, was, was he did back, not travel but, to Michigan, but but wasn't able to travel because of COVID protocols and things like that. So it sounds like he'll be available this coming week against um, Rutgers, and that's always good from a depth perce- depth perception <laughs> depth, depth perception. <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, running back. We're going to need his depth perception very, very well, much. Too. <laughs> Let's hope he has both of his eyeballs yeah, for yeah. Uh, binocular vision. No. Um, so what is unclear to me, though, Tom, and we didn't hear um, anything yeah. about this in the press conferences, who is going to start yeah. we, at we, running back? And not only who is going to, but but who, who's going to get the bulk sh- of the carry? Who should start? Well, who should you know, is a different question. Quite frankly, I, I, you know, Devin Ford hasn't had that explosive game yet or that or that, um, you know, he hasn't had a breakout game yet. And um, he's been he's been solid, but by no means spectacular in terms of on field production. Yeah. So when when a guy, a true freshman like Kevon Lee comes out and plays the way he did against a Don Brown coached defense. And now, obviously, this isn't four years ago, Don Brown, where they, he had back to back like. I think he had like uh, top five defenses back to back to uh, maybe even three years in a row. But, you know, Kevon Lee looked every bit the part, not a breakaway running back, but he's a t- solid 230 pound running back. They took 22 carries for 134 yards. And you, you really hope that you kind of roll with a hot hand on this one, especially if Devin's coming off of some some injury type stuff that a we don't know what the injury was that's been hampering him. But is he is he going to be able to provide that spark in the running game like Kevon Lee has and 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 Keziah Holmes also looked pretty good in in relief of um, Kevon Lee too. So you know maybe they cycle uh, Keziah and and Devin to spell Kevon. That's that, that's what I would hope personally. Uh, yeah, me. to me that's what feels right, honestly. And yeah. I don't know between Devin Ford and Keziah Holmes which one of those guys you know would have a better. Uh, opportunity or do better, but I, to, uh, to me, it's 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 Kevon Lee's position to lose. Roll with him until it doesn't work, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, so, maybe so, maybe it was a one off, right? You know, maybe, maybe it was, but but he just looked good. He was doing some things that we haven't seen. Bouncing uh, it to the back. outside looked great. Well, he 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 ran and maybe with the O line got clicking too. So that, you know. it could be right, you know. But again, if you if you find a back that works well with the line, right, right, you know, like just let's let's work ride that, that cohesive ride that work. pony, you know. Yeah. Um, he he ran with vision. He ran with toughness. He broke tackles. He had balance. He had when strength. he yeah, you know, he he got up into the line, found the hole, plugged, and bounced out to the outside a couple times for really nice yep. runs. He also made some real nice hits on those creases and, you know, got a lot of yards after contact. So I, I really feel like I would like to see him, if not as the starter, the the person who's going to get the bulk of the carries until we find that he's ineffective. Yeah, agreed. So um, 
a couple other things came out of that uh, press conference from James Franklin. Uh, the we said this, you said this right at the very end while we were signing off last time about that yeah. batted ball the bat- penalty, the famed, and the famed were, batted ball. Yeah, right. It's infamous now. Everyone's sure talking is. about it. No, no one cares because yeah, but look, because we didn't. It didn't <laughs> matter. Didn't matter. To those, to and the it was of the game. It was two uh, bottom dwellers going at it. So you yeah. know, if that was like you know, number one and number two, everyone would be talking about it. But anyway, um, you had we said would be that bitterly, bitterly disappointed bitterly in, the, disappointed. in the referees. <laughs> bitterly. I can't stress that enough. Bitterly yes, disappointed. A little uh, throwing shade at Jim Harbaugh. But yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned a tweet right as we were signing off last time that came on of a, of a, of a referee, yeah. uh, you know, a former referee from the NFL saying that that was called incorrectly. And Franklin basically indicated that from his perspective and everything he's done, apparently he's called his people and checked on, you know, other professionals that that was an incorrect call. Yeah. That really, it's only a penalty if it's intentionally advanced to enable the the team who's advancing it to gain, um, gain yards in that sort of way and sort of like a, a you know, underhanded kind of way. And obviously that's not what happened there. He was just keeping the ball in bounds so it could still be recovered. Yeah. Um, what he also said is that he had not yet gotten clarification from the Big Ten on that call. And the, the Big Ten has been famously uh, not transparent in their officiating calls. Like they just do not talk about it. They, wa- they basically, they wash their hands of it and they, they walk away and without, without any sort of like, Hey, this is why we did this, or this was wrong, or this is what we should have done, or which is different we're from, sorry. We messed this right, up. <laughs> exactly. Which is different from other conferences. Like I, I feel like the, the PAC 12 had made a big error and they came out and they said it was called wrong and they're pretty transparent about it. And make no mistake. That doesn't change the outcome of the game. Correct. But, but they recognize nice it, and know. so they put in. There's probably some sort of protocols to make sure these things don't happen again. You would think. I, you would hope. Or at least if you publicly reprimand the referees that screw this up, then maybe they <laughs> don't make that mistake again the next time. Or at least maybe maybe there's some sort of penalty on the second time they screw something like up that's like that. And who knows? I mean, I mean, I get it. Like referees are under a lot of pressure and scrutiny as it is. I mean, these are, these are real people too. Um, you know, so mm, I don't, I don't know. They're not real people. Okay. <laughs> I, real I take people. that back. They're, they're, <laughs> they're real people. There's not automatons who uh, deserve to be, uh, you know, hoisted, uh, up when they yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. So, so he's still waiting no. for clarification on that. Cause he wants well, to know, he wants to know what he, what, like what to tell his players. For that's the, time the key for me. Exactly. Right. Is like, did they do the wrong thing? And should they have done something different? And and how do you teach them? And so Franklin's still looking for some clarification on on what the right call there was, so he can tell his guys what to do. So yeah. uh, I think that's interesting. But it sounds like the consensus is that um, that was a bad call. Penn State should have gotten that fumble recovery. Now, as it turns out, we we stopped Michigan uh, not that long after. Stopped them yeah. on a on a fourth, fourth and short. And short. Uh, got the ball back and, w- and we were able to close out the game that way. So fortunately, it didn't affect us, but could have been a really big blown call there. Um, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot else to come out of the uh, press conference. Um, yeah, he was know, pretty he much did, same old, same old. Yeah, you know, I will say he did have one interesting comment, and again, this is more of the same kind of theme we've been uh, talking about. You know, up till this point, with without any wins, um, but he still was dwelling a little bit on like 
the the pressure and the of the, you know, the way, start. Yeah, the zero and five start, and 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 you know what's what that's done to the team, and you know he had this moment where he kind of says, uh, "Look, this." season does not define Penn State. This 0-5 start, this difficult, unexpectedly bad season doesn't define Penn State. Um, he, he And here's a quote. I'll just read it for a second. He says, we have to own it, meaning, you know, the record that we have. Lost but this it. is, so we have to own it, but this is not the totality of who we are. He goes on to say, the Cotton Bowl, champ- the Cotton Bowl champions were that too. The Fiesta Bowl champions were that too. The Big Ten champions. Um, he goes on to say, for me, I just try to keep uh, the big picture in mind as much as I possibly can. Um, and I, so I just thought that was really um, interesting that, that again, even after the win, and maybe in some ways that there's a little more of an ability to talk about that now that you've finally gotten the, you know, the monkey off your back and, and he's able to sort of kind of say, look, this has been hard. Um, but the perspective is that this win we got this week uh, it is really more in keeping with what we've been doing all along. I think the moral of of that little tidbit from Franklin here is I think he's in, trying to encourage, you know, the fan base and maybe some of the media even, obviously because he's talking to the media, but he's using the media to talk to the fans and maybe even some of his players too. Um, but I think the moral and the takeaway there is he he wants our support. You know, the team need, the, the, these young men really need fan the fan support. And, and when the times are hardest and if all, all the loudest voices are, are fire Franklin, you know, wipe, wipe the whole um, staff from existence and, and figure out the, the next coaching step. And, you know, as, as you can see from when, I mean, you know, Craig Shiano wasn't fired. He moved on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but, you know, so so Rutgers probably was able to be were able to be prepared for that, but they have been living at, at the basement of, of media mediocrity ever since Shiano left. So so with firing a coach, it's it's even more in shambles. It's even more difficult to find what you need and what you want in some cases. I mean, we're just we're kind of beating that dead horse for Jim for James Franklin. We're kind of beating that dead Jimmy horse Franklin. for Jimmy Franklin. Jimmy Jimmy F and and it's that <laughs> it's that you if you're going to be a fan, you got to be a fan through thick and thin and and cuz you know again, we we're going to tell you James ain't going nowhere. There's yep. he is not leaving after this year. There's literally no possible way and unless he leaves which would he'd leave like a pile of money on the table, which would be stupid unless he is some sort of medical emergency, God forbid, with his with his family and daughter or himself personally. That just it, which is out of the question. You can't you can't expect that's going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think Franklin's here to stay for for at least another couple seasons. Yeah. And, um, you know, we would do well to just be supportive of him. Um, interestingly enough, he said that, uh, you know, he he does not read negative fan mail, uh, sure. but he has his assistant forward all the positive stuff. So he does get he does some of that the positive, positive stuff. Mail. And he said thank um, you to all the people who have been writing in with suggestions yeah, for well, the that, team. He was following up on that because that was yeah. from the post game. Yeah. Um, you know, it was sort of a li- you know, people thought he was being sarcastic. He wasn't. And I think what I think what Franklin was saying is no, I, I mean I wasn't. I w- I read the positive stuff, and so thank you for that. Um, you know, now uh, you know. Obviously, uh, you don't want to, you know, 
you don't want to uh, be too, uh, what I'm trying to say, uh, convinced of your own, uh, you know, PR or whatever. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, but that's just been who who he is since he came on. That's, at Penn State. that's true. If he, you remember he good about his own two PR. years. <laughs> if you remember the first two years. He, even in the losses, obviously he was a new coach with us. So he has a, I got a, you know, a sense of like just energy and vigor with, with his press conferences, you know, during the week after the game, he was filled with energy and positivity in all, in every, in every moment of, of, you know, the lot through thick and thin through the losses, That's he was true. just positive, man. Just like That's almost, true. almost to like a disgusting point where you're just like, what is this guy's problem? But that literally is who he is. Maybe he was laying on a little thick because he was trying to change some sort of the, some of the cultures to be his own culture. You know, he wants to have a, a, um, a culture with his team of positivity and family and love. That's what yeah. he wants. That's what he yeah. wants. And, and so again, it sounds like, um, you know, that's something that he's going to continue to focus on. Obviously, this has been a really tough stretch, particularly the fact that it's unexpected, I think. You know, he came in knowing that he was going to have a tough time winning football games. But after having built it up to that level and now to have this down yeah. season, you know, but again. He said, but he said, you know, like he really believes something positive will come from this downturn. I this think so, too. Downturn. And I, I, I believe so as well. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Some of the the best moments in life come from the deepest, darkest places that we've been, and football teams are no different. Well, you know, we, we're we hoping that maybe this is a turning of the tide and not just a small glimmer of good in yeah. a large sea of bad. I mean, we, these last two games, uh, you know, it'll, it'll tell us whether that was a turning point. But um, before we get to the Rutgers game, just a quick uh, look around the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, for just for some news. And, you know, the banner, the headline of this little mini section is, are we still wishing Big Ten that we decided to play a football season this year? Yeah. What if the Big Ten had never opted back in? Like, what I if mean, they just wrote it out and they were like, because, no, we're not playing? Because here's here's where we stand. First of all, it looks like Wisconsin is is out of of consideration for playing in the, As the, rule the stands right Big now. Ten championship. Okay. Ohio State. Still in their COVID follow-up. cusp, though. They might be out of consideration as well. And for what it's worth, Kirk Herbstreet, like, I think, uh, and maybe the college football playoff, uh, or somewhere on ESPN, whether it was a, I don't know if it was a tweet that he shared or if he was on video on ESPN, but he said, he literally said, you know, maybe Michigan's going to wave the white flag and use COVID as the cover of, of not playing the Ohio State game oh, to keep man. them out yeah, of the playoff or keep them out of the big tension. He that comment. He did, at, he did, he did. Before that but uh, that's, podcast But to, for Kirk to say that, yeah. It makes you wonder, of course, and now if, if you weren't wondering if you're Michigan, and maybe <laughs> are you now? But I feel like Jim Harbaugh would do the that. best I, way to uh, d- to ruin Ohio State's year might be not to play them. I think is you know right what, what right. you're what you're heading. That's at. a coward's way out. It, it is. I, I I hope and and Jim Harbaugh would never want to be remembered I, I as a coward. So. No, but I it is interesting. So. Like, what if you know? What if if you remember Urban Meyer's first season at Ohio State, he went undefeated. But the, he couldn't play in postseason because yeah, of, because of the, the sanctions from Trestle or yeah. whoever. What, yeah, well, Tre- so, so here we are on the Big Ten. You know, the two teams that you expected to carry the banner have had good seasons, but they might not be able to play in the championship game. Your second-tier team, Northwestern, 
they maybe were going to be a dark horse, but they just had a bad loss to Michigan State. They're nowhere near, uh, you know, playoff caliber. caliber. And then Indiana, your one loss team, they only lost to Ohio State. And it wasn't, they they looked pretty decent. It wasn't a terrible loss. They made strides. They they were coming, coming. That's true. And then we just but found Pen, but that, Penix. <laughs> but we just yeah. found out that Penix, their their lights out quarterback, is just injured and now done for the season. So Indiana, Third year in a row. I mean, so who do you put in the Big Ten championship game? First of all, well, well right now it's looking like Indiana, Indiana and Northwestern. Northwestern. And any, by the way, Indiana. So excuse me, Northwestern, according to the Big Ten, just secured yeah, with they're... a loss to Michigan State, just secured their spot in the playoff, or excuse me, the uh, Big Ten championship. Yeah. Because because Wisconsin can't play, percentage. and then min, the Minnes like something like. Because of Iowa, Iowa lost the head-to-head with Northwestern and then couldn't play a game to get up one up on Northwestern because um, because of losing the, the the head-to-head. They they can't play Minnesota. The Minnesota Iowa game was canceled, so they can't even get more games in right. to, to have more wins than Northwestern. So Northwestern so, just won so the your, division. So your Big Ten championship game, if it ends up being those two teams, is not going to be a game that's going to send someone to the playoff. Now. Do you try to play Ohio State against Wisconsin in that Champions Week? Second, the second, uh, the, the, the second, second level game, yeah. right? <laughs> Number and, two from each division, right? And then you, and then make, you know, is that your way of trying to get Ohio State there? What, what it would be? I mean, that's the what they would do. I mean, that's what something? they would do. They would just the second best teams would play each other, and then the college football. Uh, excuse me, college football playoff committee would then be like, oh, you know, Wisconsin just lost to Ohio State, and Ohio State has no losses, and you know, yeah, they so didn't win the Big Ten. A so you take a six-win <laughs> undefeated Ohio State team, or do you take, you know, some Cincinnati. other, you know, the, or you, yeah, Cincinnati, or BYU. a one, or a one-loss Texas A&M. I don't think uh, Texas A&M did not look good again against their game. Uh, who they play was it? Was it Ole Miss? I forget who they played. I'm just game. saying, but it was it didn't look it, great. It it it's just, I mean, does, again, does anyone around the Big Ten feel good about this season? Except maybe Northwestern. <laughs> Indiana probably feels good about their season too, but to lose Penix, I mean, it's just not a good look for the Big Ten. All yeah. around. Oh, for what it's worth, Texas A&M squeaked by LSU. Squeaker. Ab- ab- abysmal, atrocious season LSU is having. Texas A&M number five barely got by LSU at twenty to seven, and it, and it was like it didn't look that pretty. You know, you, you're, you I say barely got by because it looked ugly. Like the optics were bad in the game. Um, it was so so, so bad. They, I didn't they, even see it. Yeah, exactly. It just <laughs> it, it wasn't the type of game you would expect. Um, all that to say, uh, the Big Ten is having a funky year all the way around. Um, yeah. Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, you know, three teams that expect to be nipping at the heels of Ohio State are all having pretty crummy seasons. So I think, you know, from that from a Big Ten fan point of view, this season doesn't count for much. Uh, it Mulligan, really doesn't. Mulligan it, doesn't it, it count. It doesn't, though. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a totally like befuddled season in all respects. And you really just, it really makes you hope and wish and pray that these teams can have a normal spring. 
Yeah. It can have a normal summer and a normal preseason and yeah. uh, summer, you know. That that I think really for especially for, for Penn State's sake. Yeah, for next <laughs> season to feel you know, like you have a chance of of sort of wiping you know the slate clean. I think I think you really hope for a normal. This is a spring. filthy season. This is a oh, horrible, yeah. filthy, but dirty season. Again. Here we are. It's been a really, really bad start to the season. Really bad start to Penn State. With two games left, do we still call it a start? (laughs) Well, five games in, and you still haven't really sniffed a a win since since the opening game against Indiana. And um, you know, you just got to make lemons or lemonade out of lemons here. You you got to make lemons out of you got to make lemons out of lemonade here. (laughs) You got to really just congeal the lemonade. Put it back into the. You just go to the store, you buy one of those lemons that you just pour the juice oh, in. Man. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, really, that's more of the transformation we're looking <laughs> here, for look, here. Here, look, a lemon. <laughs> um, but Oh, but, gee, thanks. But what I'm saying is, you know, you, you, in these last two games and then the Champions Week game or whatever what that thing's called, you have an opportunity as Penn State to really, you know, begin your build into next season. And and that, I think, what is what this Rutger ga- Rutgers game uh, can represent and, um, you know, Rutgers, as we're about to share a little bit about the team and, and the history and that sort of thing, has never been a team that Penn State has given that much thought to. No, definitely not. The all-time record um, is not very good in terms of uh, Rutgers' favor. We're 28-2 and two against them. And the last time they beat us was, I believe, in 1988. You know, uh, which in which it was in state college and they, they won 35 to 21. But, you know, I mean, we this rivalry, if you, you want to call it that they, they've been playing this game, you know, 30, 30 games so far. This will be the 31st game. They, that's a lot of that's a lot of games between two, yeah. two universities. Um, we started playing them back in 1918. And, and guess who won that game? <laughs> That was the last time before the last time that Rutgers beat Penn State. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we didn't play a game against them again until 1950. But, you know, from 82 to 95, when Penn State was an independent, we played them every year. PSU went 13-1 against them. And then we didn't start playing them again until 2014 when they joined the Big Ten. And, and now we're in the same division at all, or, and, and all. But, you know, since then, since they joined, uh, you know, since... They've joined the Big Ten, and then prior years, we were on a 13-game win streak. Yeah, so this is a little bit like that Maryland rivalry, which, yeah, a little bit. Uh, keep in mind, who won that game this year, Yep. where there's a lot of games, especially in the 80s and 90s, you're playing a lot, you're seeing each other, there, it's a regional rivalry, border state, but for the most part... By the way, Shiano doesn't even call it a rivalry, for the record. Yeah, that was interesting in his press conference yeah. this week. He's like, "Look, yeah. this isn't a rivalry. It's not a rivalry like gotta, until until there's you know we win competition. Some, yeah, you know, it's yeah, competitive yeah, yeah. or whatever." Yeah. So, and obviously, he was he was trying to do say that to motivate his team, and obviously, no he would love it to be a rivalry. And it's interesting in the in the respect that uh, he has coached against Rutgers, um, Shiano, Shiano, while being on Penn State sidelines. Yep. How yep. interesting is that? I mean, he yeah, he was. We we played every year from eighty two to ninety five, and he was with us from nineteen ninety to nineteen ninety six. Yeah, so, so Shiano. We'll get into, we'll get into really, Shiano's coaching uh, history here in a yeah, little just bit. A, but. Just a minute. Um, so uh, Shiano's got a, a nice little Penn State history, um, but um, you know, before we talk about Greg a little bit, um, we have not really taken Rutgers all that seriously the last few years, and it has really shown on the field. Yeah. Yep, agreed. 
the last few years have been wins, but they've been uninspired wins, I would say. Uh, so that would be an understatement, in my opinion. For Especially example, last year was just last year really bad. Uh, Here we, you know, Clifford was out with injury. Will Levis um, played the game. He was eight for fourteen, yeah, for eighty-one yards. Yeah, I mean, it was we were th- it was thirteen to six in the fourth quarter. Yeah, with like twelve minutes left. It was a one touchdown to game. We, we, I mean, we were uh, like. <laughs> We were what a two a two loss team at that point. We were we were uh, nine, nine and two, I think, and we were trying to close the season out on a on a winning note in the Big Ten, you know, to to secure a New Year's six New Year's six bowl game. Yeah, I mean, like you had a lot to play for, Penn State. We didn't know we were going to the Cotton Bowl. We thought maybe we'd get a a, a great matchup with one of the other more um, highly sought after bowls because you know we were looking for a, a big time Power Five opponent, but. Yeah, it's just so you you do have a lot to play for, and you just kind of it, 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 they they ran Levis. They were just they weren't confident with Levis, and and he he got into um you know a, a bad passing uh, yeah a bad passing mojo, game. and and they really I mean it was just like a run first uh, you know approach, totally. but but you know with a terrible passing defense like you know anyway it was very uninspired um, levis and levis and um uh journey brown both ran for over 100 yards and uh well levis didn't have any touchdowns journey brown had 3 so he was like w- without him we uh, we might not have won the game yeah so previous uh year also uh in 2018 it's our last time that we played uh at rutgers also uninspired it was a 20 to 7 uh victory so just, you know, it just feels like we've had some clunkers against them. And it was sort of the kind of thing, if if this was a team with half a heartbeat, you know, they might have, you know, pulled an upset. And, and this team uh-huh. definitely appears to be ha- having ha- more than half a heartbeat. Yeah, so, so the Shiano. big difference this year is that um, they have a new head coach, Greg Schiano. Um, he was hired just about a year ago. Um, everyone... Uh, in the Rutgers organization was thrilled to get Shiano because in part he spent 10 years head coaching Rutgers um, in the 2000s, early 2000s. And um, he brought Rutgers unprecedented success during that time. Um, So, so let's talk a little bit about his sort of coaching bio, because because in a lot of ways, the story about Rutgers this year is, is really the, the Greg Shiano story. I mean, it's it feels that way. It it's just when you see him on the sidelines, you can't help but but notice his presence and and understand how much him coaching them on the sidelines in game really means to all the players. So and, and I think what where that comes from with Greg is is his basically elite coaching background and and his like old school hard nosed mentality that probably got its start. Uh, as a scrappy high schooler, you know, he was a linebacker at 190 pounds, got recruited to play Bucknell, got recruited to play linebacker at Bucknell. Bucknell, not exactly a football powerhouse. No, it wasn't. And it still <laughs> small isn't. Small little town, uh, college, sleepy college small town. Small little college in, in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, which Our is hometown. where Tom and I grew up. Yeah, so so um, Joe Susan uh, was the offensive line coach back in uh, I believe 1985 at the t- or 80 excuse me it would have been in 84 and he recruited 
uh, undersized um, Greg Schiano and thought he would be perfect for for uh, for Bucknell and brought him in. The dude ended up, you know, leading the team in tackles one year. He was a team captain. He was a preseason All American, and so he forged a connection with Joe Susan then, and later would end up actually hiring Joe Susan to coach with him the offensive line and tight ends. Uh, for him during that original Rutgers stint, 2001 to 2011, um, Joe Susan was uh, with him for that whole stretch until Joe took um, the uh, Bucknell head coaching job, a Bucknell football head coaching job, and he's been with Bucknell ever since 2010. And that's actually when I first started going to Bucknell after the Marine Corps, and I would be on campus all the time, and I would you know see Joe Susan in in the in the locker rooms at the weight room facility, and we'd always uh, shoot the breeze in like the sauna or whatever it was just an interesting connection and i didn't realize that until starting to do some homework for this episode seven (laughs) degrees of kevin bacon yeah (laughs) anyways so so you know went went from linebacker well uh, and and i you know i wonder because he was there uh playing oh yeah five to to 87 and like you know my dad would always bring us over to a game every now and then like you know about once a season i i I bet I watched Greg Schiano playing football for Bucknell I, University. I bet Greg Schiano doesn't know that you're his biggest fan. I <laughs> I, I had a Greg Schiano cutout, you know. Yeah, I, and a, I wore a, his number on my totally chest. Totally did. No, <laughs> and, and for what it's worth, uh, Greg Schiano grew up in New Jersey, about about an hour, less than an hour away from Piscataway. So just interesting. Yeah, so he's a he's a Jersey. He's kid. a regional boy, and, and he's yeah. a Jersey kid, and he you know he's he's you know he's like. Harbaugh's a Michigan man. Well, you know, it's not like that because he didn't go to to Rutgers. But I mean, the kid grew up not too far from Rutgers, and he's the the hometown hero, so to speak. So yeah, so so he um, he started humble beginnings uh, playing for Division three. Are they uh, Bucknell uh, University? Two. Whatever. Um, and then at least maybe maybe they were three then. I have no idea. Uh, you know, and whatever. then he started his way up the coaching ladder. Yeah. Um, he, he was a grad assistant at Rutgers and then, uh, found his way to Joe Paterno's Penn State football team. Yeah. 1990, Joe, Joe Pa hired him from Rutgers as a, also as a graduate assistant. And then it was clear that this guy knew what he was doing. And Joe made him the, the Penn, the Penn State D-backs coach, uh, after just two years of, of graduate assistant, um, seasons and from 91 to 95, uh, that's, that's what, that's what Greg Schiano did is he molded Penn State defensive backs. He was there when Penn State made the switch into the big 10 playing better opponents, and he was a crucial part of our 94 undefeated season with Kim Herring, Brian Miller, Tony Pittman, Marlon Forbes. Several of those guys were in the NFL getting drafted and playing big time NFL football after, you know, winning uh, a would be uh, national title for for undefeated Penn State. But um, that was pre BCS, pre college football playoff. Yeah. Unfortunately, what could have been. But but so then he was hired away by the by the Bears and and uh, you know coached the D backs for the Bears for a few years and and then that's when he got his real big time break uh, in yep. the sense that the Miami Hurricanes hired him to be their defensive coordinator and this is where he he became a household name. Yeah, this was um, during their resurgence. Yeah. Oh man. So so in his second season with Miami, they went. It was year 2000. And by the way, the year before that, his first year as a defensive coordinator, Penn State and Miami played 
down in uh, is it was it what's what was this the Orange Bowl back then? Yeah. Um, in 1999, Penn State was number one. It was like our second or third season of the year. I think maybe third, and it was a a big time matchup. Third game yeah. of the year, you mean? Is that what I said? He's a season? third season of the year. I'm an idiot. Is... <laughs> it <laughs> so, happened. Yeah, yeah it, third game sure of the does. year, whatever. Early in the year. Yeah, and 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 it was that it was a slop fest. I remember it. I remember it very well. I remember that whole season very well. Again, it was your senior season or senior year at Penn State, yeah. right? Yeah. So we had we had national title hopes, um, but it was it was our Penn State offense that put the dagger into the Miami Hurricanes defense and the Miami Hurricanes bid for an undefeated season, yada yada yada. Um, and he, we, Shafi Fields caught a seventy nine yard touchdown pass from Kevin Thompson with a minute forty one left, and we won the game. So, but, but so that was him getting his feet wet as a, as a big time, big East defensive coordinator. And he went on, uh, in 2000 to go, they went 11 and one, um, and they finished number two in the country after beating Florida. And I think the Fiesta Bowl, maybe I, I'll have to put in the show notes what it was, but they were number seven, Florida. And they were, they were a big time team at the time. And, um, I think Spurrier was still coaching them at that point. So, yeah. So he uh, coached the likes of, you know, Ed Reed and Mike Rumpf and Dan Morgan, um, you know, some, some good players, William Joseph, Damian Lewis, Dan Morgan, all those guys were first round draft picks and he, he coached them. He developed them, helped develop them. And yeah, so, so, so Shiano makes a name for himself at Miami and then he does something, you know, my mind is a little unexpected and he accepts an offer from Rutgers to go home, to go home to New Jersey, to be their head coach. And on, on the one hand, you get it. It's a head coaching gig. Right. But on the other hand, it's Rutgers. <laughs> like, have they ever been anything but like they hadn't won a bowl game since 1978 when he came on. So he he ends up coaching them uh, from 2001 to 2011, and uh, first four years, as you might expect, they did not see a lot of success under him. Lose four losing seasons in a row, but but after that, things got turned around. Yeah, and he had a string of successes, um, and and really you know, made some some big-time waves in the second half of uh, the 2000s. I mean, it was – and it's a large part due to uh, Ray Rice getting recruited by by him and having him come to Piscataway to run the ball for the Scarlet Knights. Uh, he – his freshman year was pretty solid, but his – his junior and senior, or excuse me, his he left after his junior. His sophomore and junior years were like it's like seventeen hundred yards and two thousand yards back to back. I mean, it, it lit them up. So they went seven and four in his fifth year, um, and they they got a bowl bid for the I believe it was the, the inaugural Texas Bowl, and they beat um, or they excuse me, I apologize, they lost to uh, who was it, Andy? Who did Arizona they lose State, to? maybe they lost to Arizona State forty five to forty. And, uh, but it's, but it like, it set the foundation for the following year. You know how we were talking about how our 2004 team used that Indiana win yeah, to, springboard. to springboard them. And so that's what this year was for, for them because in, um, what was it, in 2006, which is dubbed their, their dream season with the, the, the motivational phrase that they used, keep chopping came to, came alive during their nine and zero start. 
that season. I mean, I know. Yeah, and and so it was the feel Rutgers. good story. It, yeah, so it was the feel. They put him on the map. It, it was yeah. the feel good story of the of the year nationally. You know, the, the whole country watched. They were, they were easy to root for. You know, and they they weren't in the Big Ten, so we didn't have to worry about them. You know. Um, but yeah, it, you know, and and thinking about you know the formula, right? Tough defense. Me and and uh, a punishing running game. That sounds like another coach that I'm used to seeing on, you know, the sidelines for most. Joe of my Pa. It does. Joe it feels pa. a lot like that. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, for sure. And he got um, his. He got a lot of his tutelage uh, under Joe Pa. I mean, he no is doubt. literally. He became a, an elite coach under the guidance of Joe Paterno, essentially. So, so that was a high water mark, 2006, and he he continued to have some success at Rutgers. Um, but in uh, 2011, uh, that ended up being his last season. Um, and well, by the way, they finished 12th in the country that season uh, after getting as high as ranked seventh in the country. Crazy, and that was that was the highest in school history. And then they they I didn't mean to cut you off too much, but I just wanted to re you know finish this off by saying you know that year Shiano won. Uh, several uh, coaching coach of the year awards, like three or four of them, and then you know they they ended up 2007 to 2010 uh, getting to a bowl game every year and winning four uh, of their last bowl games that they that they you know were up for. So so the, he 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 brought them out of irrelevance. Yeah. And, you know, Shiano's just he's he's a stud coach. He's not many people could do what he did essentially. So. The 2010s uh, were a little um, less, uh, you know, successful uh, on the lost surface. Kind of lost touch, uh, for so Maybe. Um, you know, he, he went to the Buccaneers um, two seasons. He was their head coach, so he made the leap to the NFL. And that leap, for one reason or another, did not go very well. Um, and so he, I believe, was fired from the Buccaneers at the yeah, end of two seasons. He, he, yeah, his final season was four, and he was four and twelve, and uh, I think it was seven and four the year before that, or something—not seven and four, uh, seven and six. I, I actually don't recall offhand. Um, anyway, it but, was not great. Yeah, it wasn't. But so, so it, 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 I imagine that what ended up working for him as being a, a college coach doesn't really translate perfectly to the NFL because you're. He's he's bet more of a developer. He's he's a, he's a great recruiter and he coaches hard. I think and I think that professionals don't want to be coached hard the way that college kids are typically uh, open to because they're still learning the sport and learning the game and learning how to get better. Whereas NFL players are like, uh, I'm getting paid to do this right now. So how about you take the the dad tone and and pack it up and leave? You know because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not so. being a professional athlete, I wouldn't know, but I, I know as an adult male, I don't like the dad tone very much these days. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so what works for the college level might not work at the pro level, and he came back to to the college level um, after you know he he got hired by Ohio State. You know, right? Yeah, I and mean, that, that I, I don't know if that was the next stop on the um, you know on the tour, but his most recent stop was certainly as a defensive coordinator for Ohio State. And I think uh, like associate head coach was part of his title as well. Yeah. And he's had a lot of success at Ohio State. Recruiting, especially at Ohio State. He brought in a bunch, like the Bosa boys, he Denzel Ward. I mean, the people, the the, the uh, defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns, uh, Greg Williams, spoke glowingly about Denzel Ward's development as a man-to-man lockdown corner 
for Ohio State and how he translated as a rookie in the NFL. And that was basically Shiano's doing is what he gave him full credit for it. And, and of course, Ryan Day even spoke glowingly of um, of Greg Schiano because when Urban Meyer was uh, suspended a couple seasons back, I think it was 2018, the first four games, I think, uh, he was suspended. Uh, you know, ideally, by the way, the first four games before the fifth game against Penn State when Urban Meyer came back. Um, but regardless, uh, you, you know, Ryan Day spoke glowingly about how well um, and how much Greg Schiano uh, deserved praise for keeping the team in line when Ryan Day was the interim coach during that. He said, couldn't have done it without Greg Schiano's tutelage, essentially. So look, this is not the Greg Schiano show. No. Um, but I thought it was important that we spend some time because it just goes to show this is not the same old Rutgers, okay? And their record is not great this year, but they've been competitive in a lot of games. And you know, back in the 2000s when Shiano was at Rutgers the first time, you know, as a Penn State fan, you could feel really good about what he was doing at Rutgers. You know, good for you, uh, you know, underdog success and all that because right. we did not play them at all during nope. that stint. Yeah. But now, guess what? They're an East Division rival. Well, maybe not rival, but, you know, they're in our division. We will play them every year. And if Greg Shiano has a second round of success like he had – uh, watch out, Penn State. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you, you, you know, when 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 you're thinking about a coach getting rehired at the university where you used to work for, you don't think to yourself like, oh, the second time is going to be a success. You know, you, you're like, eh, this feels like you're reaching for straws here. And but, uh, it, dude, great. He's Shiano's already only, turned around that Rutgers team. I mean, they, they, they yes, but like he's only 53 years old. It's not like Mac Brown getting hired That's at North true. Carolina. Who, you know, by the I mean, way, has also gone. had some good success this year sure, at his sure. old university. I mean, um, the, the, the ACC is crap, but... <laughs> but... So, but look, how many wins has Rutgers had in the Big Ten in the last two years? Zero. They've been 0-9 both years. Yeah. And how many Big Ten wins does he have this year? Two. With at least two other close games that, they, that could have gone were, their way. They've been competitive in every game except, except for Ohio, Ohio State. State. They could they they were they could have potentially won every game this year except Ohio State. Now they would have been miracle wins in some respects, but you know they, they definitely should have won the Illinois game. I thought for sure they were going to, and they kind of pissed it away. But you know it, it's like so here here's 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 the problem when it comes to Rutgers and and Penn State, and especially this season. You know we're both these teams are scrapping for their uh, for their second win in a row. Uh, we're scrapping for our second win of the season. They're scrapping for their third. But we've already lost to Ohio State, and we've already lost to Maryland. And those are two of our border states with Big Ten teams. And the other one is New Jersey, and, the and of course, Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. Those three states, especially Maryland and New Jersey, you, you know, there's pipelines there that Penn State has been – We've we've been fishing the, from yeah we've been you know. the big fish yeah like Saquon Barkley w w came to you know decommitted from Rutgers yeah and came to Penn State what if Greg Schiano was eleven and one trying to recruit Saquon Barkley yeah, you he's know? not going to Penn State at he that probably point, won't he? go to Penn State you know I mean who knows well, maybe he would have but like you know maybe. he wasn't he was a New Jersey kid right who came over the state line to go to Penn right. State because right, right, right. Penn State was Penn State. Right. So all that to say, for Shiano well, to have, he, was he a New Jersey kid? I, he, yeah. Like 
Well, he's also Matt Millen's hometown, which is down in well, I think PA I, I, too. I'll, we'll have to check this out. He went to a couple sure, places. I'm pretty sure he grew up in New Jersey, and then they moved yeah. across the border, right, right, um, right? Somewhere. I don't know if it was pre high school, post high school. It was to get away. I think it was to get away from crime and stuff like that. But I believe um, so. But he grew yeah. up in I think it was like Trenton or something like that. Maybe. Um, the, the point is, we this win. I said this last week. It's a win. Uh, it's, it's a must-win game against Michigan because we need we needed a, a marquee opponent to beat to to gain confidence. Well, this is a must-win game for as, in my eyes this week because we can't lose to our three border rival schools. Yeah, it's a bad look for Penn State, especially uh, yeah, when and Rutgers still. <laughs> especially when we've you got let you cannot let Rutgers recruiting get going under Greg Schiano. You you got to try your best to keep them down. This is a must win. And Schiano mentioned that in his press conference how Penn State recruits negatively against Rutgers. And so they definitely want to be able to change that narrative. I mean, that's a yeah. big part of why Maryland beating Penn State is a big deal, not just because of bragging rights, uh, you know, for that game, but for what it might do to a key recruit down the line. And, and I just want to also state, for for from a Rutgers point of view, you know, obviously this is a monumental game for them, and it kind of sucks from from a Rutgers standpoint. Actually, it doesn't kind of. It really sucks. <laughs> they they can't have their fans in the stands for this game, obviously. Yeah. But yep. think about you know. Rutgers coming off a win, coming off two wins in the Big Ten on the season. This fan base has something to be jazzed up about, and and to be jazzed up about possibly beating Penn State, those fans would come out and they would be rabid, and it would be like a, a red out or a blackout or something crazy that for this game, and it would be nationally televised, I'm sure, and it would be it would be something that they could hang their hats on for this season and for you know recruiting moving forward. So so much like how Penn State was able to get a win in the big house without fans. I think that without fans part plays a role for Penn state being able to have a little bit more of an edge more juice. Yep. Compared to if the fans were all there. I mean, obviously from the quarterback perspective, like ouch, you know, with those fans are going crazy and our quarterbacks are already out of their elements. Basically it's not going to be easy for these, these struggling quarterbacks to get their games going against rabid fan bases. So, so that kind of works to our advantage here, but for, for Rutgers, that sucks, and I, I I gotta feel for for him a little bit at least that they can't have a marquee opponent come in and get all riled up for it because you know that Penn State Ohio State game was such a letdown on the no fan front. What a what a just yeah, disappointing yeah, aspect of college football that you really miss. Yeah, definitely, no. um, especially the way Penn State started its season. It, it just sort of added insult to injury. Right. Um, and, you know, but, yeah. but to your point— and, the, uh, and our fans feed off of that, to feed off the energy. It's something that Penn State prides themselves in, is having this, this atmosphere at their games, having 110,000 fans, and we've had that ripped from us. And these, it's just, it, when you pull that from, a fan, from the team— it's 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 like a it's like it's just it's deflating. It really well, it's gotta and, be. and to your point, the um, the only win that Rutgers had against Penn State in the modern era back in '88, apparently, like there are stories of guys like weeping for joy at, at yeah. having won that game. It was beating it, Penn State. Yeah, it was so significant for them. So the beast of the East. So I think you know again for, for Rutgers to feel like we're playing toe-to-toe with guys. It's a down year for Penn State, and this is our year to get him. We've got a head coach who who coaches with a lot of fire. He's got us motivated. And by the way, um, he partly turned around this team by bringing in a lot of outside talent, something like 10 transfer players. Yeah. 
uh, graduate transfers coming in from other places. And so, um, it, you know, he, he infused this team with, with some immediate uh, talent upgrades and, you know, and they're it's playing interesting with that, a lot of confidence, right? Yeah. Some of, some of those players that he recruited to transfer to him um, were players that played for him at Ohio State. Players that played from, you know, that came from Wisconsin, that came from Minnesota, that came from Nebraska, Michigan. And some of those players, I didn't I didn't mention this, um, after he left, was fired by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do you know what he did before the Ohio State uh, gig? No. Nope. He coached at a prep school in Tampa for two seasons. Oh, yeah. That's and where some it of it's like, Ber- it's like Berkeley something or other. And I, maybe I'm getting that name wrong, but, um, some of these players that he's recruited are from that school. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. I mean, they're not, they weren't necessarily from that time when he was there, uh, you know, but he know. I mean, he's obviously got a connection to it. So uh, I saw that somewhere. I yeah. saw that somewhere and I'll, I'll, I'll share uh, that information in, in the show notes somewhere. That's definitely a deep cut, but um, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, it's interesting. I mean, that, that just goes to show you the, the lengths that he's had to go to feed, to get some guys on his team to, that are capable of playing immediately to make a difference in this team. This like you, he, it's his first year and he's coaching like a young hungry coach not a coach who's been coaching since 1989 you know so let's talk about this team um and who we're likely to see on the field we've talked about what they've done this season we've talked about their coach um but when we actually watch this team suit up on saturday against penn state they'll be playing at noon um who are we going to see what are going to be their key players and and um you know what should we be on the lookout for um, well, you know, uh, so one thing I'll say is, you, you know, they, they won their second game of the season last week against Purdue. They beat them 37 to 30. Um, they did it using two quarterbacks because their starter, who's a transfer from Nebraska, QB, uh, Noah, I believe it's Noah Vedrill. Um, he's number zero, by the way. Uh, number he, zero. Vedrill's thrown for over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, and eight interceptions. But he's have he has a 64% completion percentage, which is something that our quarterbacks don't have. Um, so he's he's pretty solid. You know, I mean, they're not they're not a unbelievable offense by any stretch, but they're going to be passing it more than they're going to be running it. But with Vedrill unknown whether he's going to be playing or not, they 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 played two quarterbacks last week. And I'm, by the way, I'm not sure what Vedral's injury is, um, but they played their backup quarterbacks, both of them, Sitkowski and uh, Lang, I believe it's Langan. And Sitkowski and Langan are like, it's like, or excuse me, it's like uh, Clifford and Levis. You got an arm and you got a leg. And so one one passes, the other one runs. So we're, we're trying to see, uh, you know, we're kind of in a wait and see which, which one or which ones are going to play. It Bedroll sounded like Shiano was, he was definitely being cagey and he, yeah. he kind of said like, look, you got to have a plan A and plan B whenever someone's call, coming off of injury. It sounded like he was inclined to play, uh, uh, Vedral. Well, but, maybe. <laughs> but, but that he would have to wait to see the end of the week. Um, and obviously both um, Sitkowski and Langan, uh, between the two of them, had enough success a- against Purdue that, um, that, you know, they may very well, uh, you know, have enough of a serviceable person at quarterback that we just 
you know, we're going to have to play solid defense yeah, uh, against whoever they put back three there. Different quarterbacks, yeah, right, essentially, right. which isn't great. Two for passers defense. and one runner. Yeah. Yeah. And and make no mistake, even Vedral, uh, he'll run the ball as well. He's he's run 45 times for 80, 88 yards this year. Now, that's only for two yards per average. Uh, it's two yards per carry average, but you know, they clearly are like whether it's designed runs or whether it's scrambling, that's 45 times. So they're and their team's second leading rusher is the is Johnny Langan, uh, who's only rushed for 134 yards, which goes to show you, you know, uh, the <laughs> level of their run game. Um, but Vedral's their four, team's fourth leading rusher, so so they're, they're going to be passing more. They're going to be running, and and uh, what what concerns me about these quarterbacks with running um, is uh, you know we we our our linebackers play out of position a lot, and they yeah. miss tackles a lot. Even our safeties miss tackles a lot. So you know you miss one you miss one lane as a defender, you miss shank one tackle as a defender, and these guys can break to the second and third level before you know it. Um, I mean, uh, Noah Vedral's long run for the season is a 24-yard run. So you just got to be careful for that kind of thing. So defensively preparing for these guys might not, you know, be straightforward. So we'll we'll see which one starts moving forward. But uh, these guys are... You know they pose different threats, so we'll we'll see. But their their running game it doesn't seem to be too much of a threat. Now I don't want to put you know I don't want to jinx it and have uh, have our defense basically just take one on the cheek from their number one rusher Isaiah Pacheco, who's number one also by the way. Um, but it, people talk about him like he's got NFL potential. He's five eleven. He's two hundred ten pounds. He's he's a junior. You know he's he's had three hundred ninety yards rushing on the season for four and a half yard average. I mean that's more rushing downs. than any of our running backs this year. That's true. You know, I, 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 Sean Clifford's our our leading rusher. So uh, yeah, two hundred fifty five uh, yards. Yep. You know, and just for for perspective, um, Rutgers has about a hundred yards less total passing than Penn State, and about a hundred yards less total rushing than Penn State. You mean on average, on or total for the team? Uh, okay. I mean for the season. Okay, um, for the season, gotcha. you know. So yeah, so not on average. For so of all the games we played, they're they're about a hundred yards less on rushing and a hundred yards less on passing total. So they're similar. So they're respect. similar. This yeah. is a team that and and Maryland is the only team that uh, Rutgers has yet to play after us. So they they've played all, all of our common opponents in a very similar way statistically speaking. So we should not be terribly um we shouldn't overlook them is what I'm saying. You know, well, they're and, they're performing about the same level as Penn State. Well, interestingly enough, they're, they're Will Levis, uh, uh, so to speak, Johnny Langan, who will wear the jersey number 21, by the way. Um, he, like I said, he's their runner. He's their Will Levis. But here's what he does better than Will Levis. When he does go to throw the ball, he hasn't missed yet. He is eight for eight for 83 yards and two touchdowns. That was so, like Clifford the year that he was... McSorley's Except backup. Clifford was like, you know, eight for eight for like 250 yards. Yeah, and, and seven like, touchdowns or whatever. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But still, I mean, that's you, you got to be got to watch out for that guy throwing some dimes for first downs or touchdowns. If he if you think if you're selling out for run like every defense does with Will Levis selling out on the run, and you can basically count on it 95 percent of the time. So we got to be careful of, of of Langan when he comes in there. He can't. He he might not just throw the ball or might not just run the ball. He might throw the ball. So, yeah, I mean, other than Isaiah Pacheco, uh, you don't really have too much of a running threat beyond 
uh, him other than K-Ron Adams. He, he'll, he's only had 17 carries on the season. Yeah, so Rutgers has sort of a, an average running game, but their passing game does seem to be where they get most of their yards. And um, Bo Melton, uh, their top receiver, he wears number 18 on his jersey. This is, this is a senior season. He's kind of got like a KJ Hamler uh, or, you know, Dahan Johnson. Ooh, they dared Jahan. Jahan, Nandy, Jahan Dotson. Don't worry, I screwed up. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. bumpers. All right. Jahan Dotson. Anyway, Bo (laughs) Melton, uh, he's he's got that kind of vibe. Um, He's 5'11, 190 pounds, 30 catches for 474 yards. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but that's a 15.8 yard average per reception. That's Just throw to him every time. Just I mean, every single time he's got five touchdowns. I mean, he's got a yeah. nose for the end zone. He's got a nose for for big gains, yeah. and um, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye out for number 18, where he is on the field, and you know, hopefully, our defensive backs um, who will be back on the field, uh, you know, full hopefully full strength this uh, game will have a chance to. Um, Try to shut him down, and if they don't, it could be it could be a long day. I mean, he's for already our he's defense. Ar- yeah, he's already shown that he has the ability to gain over 100 yards in a couple of games. He's got two multi-touchdown games, um, and it, you just really hope that we can contain this passing threat and better than like Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan did. He had big games against them. So yeah, um, uh, they they've got a good number too. Also, um, Shameen Jones. Number fifteen, uh, got some size to him. Yeah, he's six foot two, um, one hundred eighty pounds. So he's not that that um, bulky, but um, he's got twenty seven catches for three hundred seven yards on the season. Um, again, that's an eleven point four yard average. He's also got three touchdown catches. So you know they got some guys that um, they got some favorites to throw to. You know that can catch the ball, that can run good routes, um, and they've got. Um, quarterbacks that can get the ball to these guys um, at, at a pretty high rate of uh, completion. So um, there's one, this- there's one, there's one receiving threat I want to mention real quick. Andy, sure. Sure. And that's, um, you know, we had our, our big tight end threat, our, our all American go down this year. So we don't, we don't get to see um, Pat Fryermuth making any touchdown catches anymore this season, but that's what their t- tight end kind of is, is he's their, their, their red zone threat. And, uh, you know, at 6'5", 252, very much the size of, of a Pat Fryermuth. And he only has four catches on the year, but two of them are for touchdowns. So they like to go to him in some of these situations. And, you know, given that we <laughs> give up a, a lot of points and uh, we're susceptible to, you know, letting teams get up on us, we gotta, we got to be, be careful for uh, a big target like uh, his, by the way, his name is Giovanni Haskins. He wears number thirteen. We got to be on the lookout for a big target like that, uh, getting loose in the end zone. Uh, yeah, yeah, last guy I want to point out for Rutgers is a returner. I mean, he's a wide receiver, but he he does our kick returns. Uh, Aaron Crookshank, uh, he was actually from Wisconsin. You may remember his name being uh, called out uh, when he was playing there. Um, but he uh, returned a kick for a touchdown against Purdue. In the second half, and that basically started their comeback win against Purdue. And um, you know, I watched that uh, play um, on on highlights, and um, he's fast. He was shifty. I mean, it was the, it's the kind of thing where you know Penn State struggling 
to to put together a decent special teams effort could really really um, have some have some problems with him if yeah. um, we're not able to you know put the ball in the end zone and he ends up being able to return a kick. Hey, so uh, you know. <laughs> We, we got to touch on the defense here a little bit, Andy, and I'm just going to highlight a couple of, of, of key names for them. Um, linebacker Mohamed Toure, uh, he has uh, only 15 tackles on the year uh, uh, from the linebacker position, but three of them are for sacks. So he's a disruptive force. And uh, speaking of disruptive, this team has forced and forced nine fumbles on the season and recovered eight of them. To wow. Give you, so that's to give like- you some perspective, Penn state has only forced three ter- three fumbles and only re- and recovered all three of them but i mean they've forced three times as many as us this season and and while you know you know penn state does not have a knack for for get, getting a lot of turnovers they have three interceptions on the year and, and penn state only has two so yeah, so that's, they're, they're, they're that's an opportunistic yeah. defense and again knowing that shiano comes from a Defensive coordinator pedigree, defensive back exactly. pedigree. Exactly. You know, the, he's coaching it, this into them. Exactly. So, uh, you know, um, and this is how they're staying uh, in most of these games. They're able to be in a position to win them in part because their defense is not allowing other you know, half decent offenses to, to get off the ground, you know, now they got into a little bit of a shootout against Michigan in part because of the, you know, the score started running up because of the overtimes. But, um, you know, for the most part, they're, they're holding teams and they're styming teams. They're playing teams tough. Um, and so, you know, Penn state, while they have been able to get yards on the ground, um, you know, they've, they've had struggles getting into the end zone. And, and I think, it's very likely that uh, this Rikers team, who's going to come out motivated, who's going to be well coached and disciplined, who's going to be ball hungry, um, it's very likely that um, our offense is going to have a challenging day against them if we're not playing sharp football. Yeah, I mean, so so with those, uh, excuse me, three sacks that Toure, the linebacker, has, he also has an interception, a pass defended. He also has two of those forced fumbles. And so he's he's like uh, kind of uh, their Micah Parsons in terms of splash, you know, explosive defensive plays. But they also have some other some other good players. Um, I mean, uh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but Ola Kunle Fatukasi he's another linebacker. The dude has 73 tackles on the year. And and that's (laughs) I, I don't know if you are aware of Penn State's defensive stats, but. Our our top tackler on the year is Ellis Brooks at only thirty nine. So so these guys wow. are out there flying around, making a lot of plays, and um, we're gonna. You we're know, gonna I just him. thought of something. You know, Rutgers is a team this year that has had a huge infusion of talent, and is playing with a New lot talent. of belief them in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Penn State is a team that has lost a ton of talent. Yeah, and is struggling to play with belief. Um, you know, I think on the paper, you're still probably going to have a Penn State team that's more talented overall than uh, this Rikers team. But they have, you they know, have intangibles right now that we don't exactly. have. Exactly. You know, and you just mentioned sort of, you know, this guy was their Micah Parsons. It's like, you know, but we don't have our Micah Parsons. No. Like, he's gone. So no. it's just interesting to we don't see have, these And we teams. don't even have our best, like, Jason Owe. Yeah. He's supposed to be, like, our next, you know, you tour Gross Matos, making sex. He doesn't have a single sack on the year. 
He's crazy. He, 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 sitting here, and he's you know got some tackles for a loss. He's like one of our top tackles on the team. But we're not getting this defensive front making splash plays, disrupting games, and 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 you know if, especially if Vedral's not going to play in this game, and you have these two second and third string running or quarterbacks playing. You really want to see our our defensive front getting after these guys and and getting them off balance and making them, you know, think about, you know, basically turning them into Sean Clifford of the of the first five games of the season. You know, dancing around, making mistakes, throwing interceptions. And speaking of interceptions, Lamont Wade has the only interception of any of our defensive backs on the team. Yeah, we have two on the season. One from Brandon Smith, one from Lamont Wade, and just team just doesn't have this like you know aggressive, um, opportunistic. Uh, we're playing play on making. our heels. We're playing. Yeah. We're playing. Um, you know, sort of out of flow. You know, we're not in the flow of the game. We're 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 in our heads, and it seems like this this Rutgers team is is playing. Kind of the exact Forward. opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Confidence. They're, they're, yeah. But absolutely. did we gain some confidence against Michigan enough to to begin well, to, to to realize that against a team like Rutgers that has you know we've come to expect them to lay down and die for us even when we play our worst. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the keys to the game. What is it going to take? Because it's weird in some ways. You know, again, it's part of the bizarro world of 2020 yeah. that you know we're talking about. Penn State playing Rutgers as a legitimate game, as something to get excited about, an interesting contest. Most years would be like a snooze fest. Why even bother talking about these personalities? Because obviously Penn State, if they're not going to mop the field with them, at least they're going to win without even trying. But this game has never mattered more. (laughs) If we play Rutgers like we have played the last few years, we will lose this game. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have to build on what we did at Michigan, at least match what we did at Michigan if we're going to have an opportunity to get our second win of the season. And I think, you know, that the first key to the game for me is that we've got to play with a lot of focus, passion, discipline, and come out sharp, ready to play, excited to play with a lot of energy like we did against Michigan. That We're going to have to emulate that same sort of mental and emotional space as a team that we saw Penn State when they took the field against Michigan. Do you remember when Parker Washington had that big time catch over the middle that he broke some tackles and uh, he broke four tackles and evaded a fifth tackler on the way to the to the sideline to Penn yeah, State sure. side to Penn State sideline. Yeah. Now if that had been a Michigan sideline, I don't know, wouldn't have been maybe as as energetic, but our Penn State sideline was there to greet him and people Jumping were going up crazy. And down. Yeah. So we need a, a play like that to just like give the team energy that they can then use the momentum to carry them forward and then just linking, you know, positive and positive and positive plays together. Um, yeah, the complimentary football that we saw last Explosive last week, play, right? You know, you, yeah, you had, well, you know, I was going to say that, you know, the complimentary football, which is like Penn State offense does something good and then Penn State defense comes out and holds them, you know, or like the defense gives up a touchdown, but then the offense comes out and gets that score right back. So we never really allowed momentum to shift to Michigan, you know, even though there were some moments where things started going a little wonky, we never allowed the momentum to fully shift. And and the offense and the defense both kind of helped each other out to make sure that we could sort of, you know, keep the initiative, keep the impetus in the game and, and you know, 
we were able to to come out with a good win against Michigan. We're going to have to do that against a very what's going to be a very inspired, confident, and an increasingly talented Rutgers team. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, I, so I think I think uh, to want to recap, what's your what's your key to the game there? Well, just being inspired, being focused, coming out sure. ready to play. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Cause Rutgers will be <laughs> exactly. by, by all, but they, they probably will be, maybe they, maybe they come out and lay an egg. Who knows? It, it would be, it would make my, it would make my weekend of course, to see Penn state throttle them 48 to, to nothing. <laughs> you mean you're, you would like to, to see that happen <laughs> in part as a sign that Penn state's kind of really shaken off the, the funk, you know, but I, I don't, I honestly expect that kind of a game. I, I expect it to be a tough game that I hope if Penn State plays with poise and with passion, they'll be able to come out on top. But if not, it it, it really could go the other way and fast, yeah. as we saw against a team like Maryland. Yeah. So so I think uh, something that James Franklin has touched on in some of his press conferences recently is that he they're still looking for more explosive plays to really open the game up and really open the playbook up. Um, that's not to say that we're trying to lean on Sean Clifford to do everything under the sun to win games, but you got to factor in some of these um, explosive plays to keeping a defense off balance. So I think we need some more explosive plays. And, and I really, when I say that, I, I, what I want to see is um, Kirk Sharaka build on what happened in the Michigan game. You know, we, we, we were pretty vanilla in the, in the uh, Michigan game offensively, you know, Sean threw it downfield a few times, but they were like fades and, and nothing was really like scheming the receiver open. It was just, it was just kind of like man to man and throwing up a 50, 50 ball and none of them really worked. Um, so can Kirk Sharaka scheme some of our receiver, receivers open downfield, you know, across the middle? Uh, I, I'm envisioning D- Jahan, Jahan Dotson, not Dahan Jotson. Dahan Jotson. <laughs> That's his brother. Um, no. So so I, I envision Jahan Dotson or Parker Washington across the middle wide open with a safety getting pulled forward on like a, you know, play action pass. And, and then just Sean Clifford hopefully being – Throwing, throwing Trace McSorley dimes over the middle. Um, well, and I think, you know, if if we can see a run game like we saw last week, and that would be one of yeah, my keys yeah, to the of game. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If we build can, on that run If game. we can build on that, you know, having some of those passing, uh, explosive passing plays would be the sort of thing that could move us into the winning comfortably mode and not yeah. just sort of a eking out a tough win. I'd like to see us play ball control offense with our running game and, and keeping Sean Clifford in that like higher percentage, um, you know, success rate uh, on plays where he's more of the game manager and less of the uh, lean on me. If you watch the Eagles game this past week, Carson Wentz looks horrible and, and they he has been looking horrible all year and the game plan for Doug Peterson going into that game was clearly not rely on his, you know, Miles Sanders, his running back. Miles Sanders had like six carries in the game. Yeah, that's not a recipe for success. They were throwing Carson Wentz like 50 balls or something like that. He he attempted and he had got sacked six times. Let's be smarter game plan wise here and not just be like, hey, we think we can throw it a hundred times on these guys and let's just cross our fingers and pray. You know, have a have a smart game plan for a struggling quarterback. And, and Sean Clifford is still struggling. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I mean, he he had a turnaround game last week, but yeah. how 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 many times is he going to have to have a, a bad mistake 
to, for all that to come rushing back. Oh, so yeah. I, I oh, agree yeah. with you. You know, let's not put the game on Clifford's shoulder. Let's put him in the position to be a good game manager, make good, fast decisions like he did last week. Yeah. He made a lot of you know, good, quick decisions. Let, let's have a let's have a solid running game. But but like you said, if we can then also get a couple of uh, downfield passes that you know we give Clifford time to throw, it's an easy you know high percentage catch because you know Dotson or Washington or whomever is open. Like that would be really great. Give us you know take some of the work out of getting downfield from time to time. Um, I, I think that would be fantastic. So you know. In some ways, this offense has not been terribly uh, disappointing other than getting into the red zone. So I think if the offense can continue to grow um, as they have throughout the season into Kirk Sharaka schemes, we get some of those downfield passing. I, to me, I think that would be really great to see. I think this this Rutgers defense, while playing while opportunistic, um, I, they give up a, a, a lot of yards. So I, I think that... Um, yeah, so I think they can play mistake free, well, well, so, like we did against Michigan, right? Yeah. Well, we so did what not I was going to say was, I want to see the O line play, you know, st- strong. I want to see them control the line of scrimmage. I, I'll be watching the, the the trenches while we're on offense quite a bit on both sides of the ball, obviously. Yeah, but if, but our O line needs to gain some momentum. If yeah, if we don't have a good game on the O line, uh, which I think we did against. Michigan. I think we did too. <laughs> um, you know, if, if we have a, a long day on the O line, if they're getting into the backfield and harassing Clifford, if they're getting, um, you know, s- tackles for loss, or if they're sh- shutting down a run game, it's going to be a long day for us. It'll be uncomfortably long. But, you know, can't be said enough. If we can avoid turnovers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the, that, that's the one still. That's the big one. You know, if we can avoid beating ourselves, look, our one win was the one game where we won the turnover battle, as Franklin likes to call it. You know, it was the one game where we didn't give up a turnover. So I really feel like it, that can't be emphasized enough. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I feel confident about the, the offense's opportunity to to take another stride. Um Defense is where I'm a little concerned. I'm a little more concerned than I am with offense right now. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. That's fair the way that our defenses looked most of the season, if not all the season, which is, you know, um, poor communication, um, poor uh, assignment, um, you know, in gaps and, and holes and, and, and not getting off blocks and just being out of position and just yeah. looking all around really bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've got to really – you know, eliminate their opportunity for the big play, in particular, the busted play. And, you know, that's where Michigan got a lot of their chunk yards um, out of a busted play when, you know, guys were out of position and a big run play, you know, right through the middle of our defense and no one was within a half a mile of the guy um, until— That's, that's until the safeties. That's, that's the, the safeties. safeties and the linebackers. And right? the linebackers, yeah. So, they're just out of position quite a—just all sorts of turned around. And, and I mean, the same, you know, thing our, that, same thing has happened in the in the passing game where, like, just guys are, are at times wide, wide open. And I think, you know, b- between what we're seeing um, from Rutgers in terms of some of their talent on receiver and their accuracy in passing, like, we're just going to have to do better. 
and um, they can exploit us. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, so I, you know, our defense has got to play sound, fundamental, stay in your lane kind of defense, and and you know, continue to get better at, at making tackles, which I think we did better against Michigan. Hey, speaking of uh, their yeah. receivers, um, one of Greg Schiano's former players from his first Rutgers stint. Uh, he was he's a retired New England Patriots wide receiver Tequan Underwood is now currently their wide receiver coach. So he, he came out of Rutgers uh, back in the day in the 2000s. Now he's uh, after an NFL stint. He's he's coaching under coaching under uh, Greg Schiano right now, and he's he's schooling these um, these young wide receivers up to to be playing pretty well for them. Yeah. So you know the other thing I'd like to see from our defense, and again. You know, as you mentioned, the contrast between Penn State and Rutgers. I would love to see some big plays out of this defense. You know, opportunistic you gotta, plays. You got to think that there's a talent discrepancy, uh, uh, you know, between the Penn State defense and the Rutgers offense. Uh, you know, particularly in the trenches. I, I would love to see some sacks or turnovers, whether it's a, a you know, strip ball or interception. I, I would love to see our defense not just. You know, hold their offense, but kind of and give take the, the ball. wind out of this yes. Rutgers yeah, sail. Absolutely. Take the will. I mean, maybe you won't take the will out of them, but take the wind out of their sail at least. Yeah, get, yeah, kind of take the fight out of them early, and and sort of get, the fighting. Great uh, Chianos will always have fight, Andy. Yeah, but will true. they have wind in their sail? <laughs> <laughs> we need to break their wind. <laughs> yeah, we need to break. <laughs> we need to rip their heads off. Is what I always like to say in the stands. I. I'm sorry if anyone's listening to that and finds that to be a little too much, but that's it's, what I scream in the stands when I'm watching my defense play. And we need this defense to play some lights out defense for once this season. Okay. We get to finish, you know, we, we played Michigan on the road. We have another road game, back-to-back road games. We got to close this, this road slate out strong. James Franklin is not known for playing on the road very well. And can we win two road games in a row to to start a win streak? That would be amazing. You, I think your defense is what you got to rely on on the, in these road games. And that's something that Penn State has relied on in, in, in road games in the past. But, you know... You know, now with the with the offense not having that the the fans screaming at them, I, I kind of feel more confident in the offense. But I want to see some old school blue collar defense. You know, it's about I, time that we see something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, yeah. Well, look, um, Penn State is at the moment an eleven point five point favorite. Yeah. But you know, this is the fighting Greg Shiano's. I I think we need to play with an underdog mentality. Yeah. We need to play, you know, lights out, blue collar, attack dog, you know, something to prove going into their house, a team that is, uh, you know, on the upswing and, you know, kind of feeling like maybe they got something to brag about in terms of what they've got. I think we need to come in there and and sort of play a football game. Like, yeah, that's what full, we need to do. One, we three we need to play a football game. I want to see field goals being made. I want to see kicks not going, kickoffs not going. Uh, out we didn't. Need, we don't even need to talk about that. I want to see. I want My three goodness. phase football. I want. I want. Yeah. Tackles being made with by not just one player, by all of them flocking to the ball. I. I, I don't want to play see with that. a chip on your shoulder, yeah. right? Like, come, let, like let's let's you know now that we got the the wind monkey off our back. You know, or the Ofer monkey. Scarlet Knights bleed. Let's let's go ahead and it's like now you got a taste of blood in the water. Go after it. Um, I I would love to see a complete football game that that shows that we cannot be giving ground up to Rutgers. We can't. 
We just can't. Not this season, not any season. Like, you can't let the Greg Schiano Rutgers era start by beating Penn State in their third border game of the season. Agreed. It's just not, it's just, we have got to win this game for a multitude of reasons, but it's Rutgers and I need them to play like they're, they're playing like a, like a national title game against Miami. And that's what I want to see them playing the underdog chippy mentality that led to us winning one of the most incredible upsets in history. I know it's Rutgers, but you got to play like you're playing a championship level team. Like that's what, that's the mentality you need to, to come in with here. Like, I mean, it's not just for recruiting, but just for like, you know, what is this team going to take away from you know, this Rutgers team going to take away from this game in the future if they if they get the better of us? It's going to give them a sense that, you know, we're not to be uh, a team to be frightened by. And I uh, could say I beat James Franklin. Yeah. And you want to go, do you want to go for, you see him on the sidelines with his arms crossed? Do you want to go play for that guy? Or do you, do you see me on the sidelines rowing up and down, lighting fire under people's butts, beating Penn State on our own home turf? Who do you want to be coached by? You know, like we got to win this game. We can't, it'll look so bad. (laughs) I'm with you. We got to win. We got to win for pride. We got to win for the future. We got to win for some sense of respectability. Um, There, there's a lot to play for. Um, this game is going to be played at noon. FS1. On FS1. We're going to get some uh, some additional fantastic commentary and uh, <laughs> game calling, no doubt. Oh, man. As, uh, long, as long as it's not Brock Heward calling the game. Wow. Are we going to go? Are we going to go there? I will. I will. I will. You know what I'll do? I'll try and sync up uh, the, the, the Penn State Sports Network radio on the TuneIn app with the game so that I can not listen to Brock Heward wow. dr- droning on about whatever baloney he thinks is relevant. Well, I just listened to the highlights. Um, uh, of the Purdue Rutgers game, and that was also FS1. And those announcers were virtually unlistened. Yeah, I, mean, I could hardly. Sometimes I mean, it was bad. it's just sometimes bad. some of the best announcers are still hard to listen to. I so, agree. You know, Eileen Eileen can't stand to listen to Tony Roma, widely regarded as like one of the better guy. I mean, he's just got a huge contract. You uh, know, a lot so of people, people hate Chris love him. too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, and they're some of the best in the game. Like they, but, they are, but, and we just like, want to hate on There's a difference. There's yeah. a difference between it's, it guys at, at that least. caliber. Yeah. you know, versus, you know, what we're getting with FS1. Agreed. So, agreed. Anyway, um, so FS1 noon at Ruskers. Ruskers. Scataway. Nebraskers? Neb- at Ru- Ruskers. Ruskers? I said at Ruskers. Horn Ruskers. <laughs> at Ruskers. Yeah, Jahan Dotson. Rahan Rotson. Oh, my gosh. Wow. We're going to have to stop immediately. This is We're done anyway, so why don't, yeah. you, why don't you take it well, away, Andy? I won't even interrupt you, I promise. Oh, I have one more thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I will then. Because honestly, the last three or four weeks, we have not even done a game prediction. Let's just get back into it. Let's get back into it. We, we have got, the will. We, do we have the will? If there's a will, there's a way. So what do you what do you predict? What does your crystal ball tell you we can expect by 3.30 p.m. on Saturday afternoon? You know, I'd rather hear what yours is first while I come up with a <laughs> I come up with a good answer. Well, listen, man, I had to try and squeeze predictions out of you for the first m- many games. Okay, so I- I'll go. I'll go. Thank you. Thank you. So. The, the first question for me is, what's Penn State scoring going to be like? 
And, you know, we put up 27 against Michigan. Okay. And so I think, I think if we have a, a similar performance in terms of, you know, kind of taking the next step, I think we're going to be looking at the 30s. And I'm calling 31 for Penn State, which is enough to beat Rutgers, who I think is going to get 20. I think it's 20 to 31 Penn State. Hmm. 20 to 31. Penn 31, State 31 20. to 20. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to go with uh, 28 to 14. Penn State wins. Ooh, a nice round touchdown only yeah. score. Well, I don't know. I'm basically making it up. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, no, I don't know. I, you know. It might actually... Uh, it might be closer. I, Rutgers is gonna fight. I I don't want to believe that they're gonna keep, like get it with. I I can't believe we're an eleven and a half point favorite. Let's put it that way. That's yeah. That's, it seems a bit we, much. I, you know, I think we should win. Of by course, touchdowns, I, I, but I, I gave an eleven point differential right there, didn't did I? Did you? <laughs> I went right purpose. To, to, no, I was just thirty to twenty one. Uh, thirty one to twenty. That's that's mm. eleven points. Mm. Okay, so I'm gonna change. I, I'm changing mine. I'm, all I, right, I'm let, doing it live it. on air. Here we go. Do it. Thirty five. To twenty-eight. Ooh. That's what I'm gonna that's that's what I think. 35-28. Wow. And I won't Penn change State. it again. I won't even change it in my predictions oh. to any of my friends or you before the game. Okay. We'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um it'll you know, again, this is the first time you know, in a while we should, we'll have a chance know, to like follow up on our predictions. You know, we only have one game, regular season game after this, but you know what we should start doing? What's that? We should first of all, we should have dad on one of these times. People gotta be getting sick of our voices. All right. I don't know. But we should have him on for Rick's picks. Ooh. Ooh our dad's name it. is Richard Gathman. Yeah, Rick's and picks. And you can look him up. Uh he's on Facebook. No, I'm just kidding. I like it. Uh, so Rick Gathman, Rick, <laughs> Rick's picks. We'll get him on here. Uh, he's a oh. he's a workaholic. Oh yeah, we got uh, to. So it might be tough, tough to. getting him on the schedule. So we will see. But that that sounds like fun, right? Maybe, maybe we can get a maybe we can get him like a a remote you know pick like a call in or something like that. So he doesn't have to actually show uh, no, up I'm gonna get I'm, I'm gonna get him on. I'm gonna get him on here. Let's we'll record it. live from from his office and <laughs> live from U.S. Agency yeah. Studios. Yeah, well, it'll be it'll be Wednesday nights because Monday mornings don't work for him. I'm sure. Do they so, not? I uh, probably not. But we'll do Wednesday nights at the at the office. Well, look, have your people call his. People. <laughs> I gotta ask him to see if he's interested. I guess <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah, totally doing it. I'll even <laughs> pretend to be him if he doesn't decide he wants to be a part of it. Just I'll throw just my hit best record next time you see him, and like just. So he doesn't have a chance. Like, you know, I, I just shamefully, I'm very aware that I am very much like my father. Do you feel like you're like our father? Uh, less and less as I get older. Really? I feel like it's more and more for me as I get older. And, and which is, there's nothing wrong for that. I'm joking when I say shamefully, but, but and I, I say that not as a point of pride, honestly, like and, for, for me, like, okay. I, I very much admire my dad. He's yeah, he's, absolutely. Um, I look up to him a lot. Well, so. what I'm saying is if I had to, to make Rick's picks for Rick, I could do it. Cause I think I'm, I'm basically the same human. No, being. no, it's okay. not the same. It's not the same. We <laughs> definitely right. have to have him on for Rick's All picks. Right. Okay. We'll it will him. be, it, you know, it is the way, um, it, this is the way. Yes. Uh, okay. So anyway, we've got our picks. Uh, I'm going uh, 31-20 Penn State. You're going 35-28 Penn State. Penn State. Good guys. Um, we'll we'll find out. Um, you know, until then, bro. It always starts with I love you, and it always ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. It always ends with I love you.
Penn State. <laughs> Take Looking care for that next win. Time. Looking this for W Saturday. number two. W. Let's do it. Getting on the right. streak. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 